Welcome to Coaching Kids Curling, a podcast for youth curling coaches and program organizers. I'm Glenn Gabriel, a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. My mission is to give you the advice, resources, and inspiration you need to make your program better. Melissa Kazan is a registered dietitian in Richmond Hill, Ontario. In this episode, I ask her about nutrition for kids. What's a good snack after practice? Do they really need to visit the water cooler? And how should coaches themselves handle their own nutritional needs before practice? As youth curling coaches and organizers, there's a lot on our plate. Promoting our programs, recruiting volunteers, writing lesson plans. Those are just some of the tasks that we do. But have we ever taken the time to think about what we feed our kids? In today's episode, I ask Melissa Kazan, who has worked with competitive curlers and teams, for her advice when it comes to nutrition for our youngest athletes. And now, here's my interview with Melissa. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us. I first found out about you when you presented a webinar for the Ontario Curling Council last April, and the webinar title was Fueling for Competition. And in that webinar, it it was sort of uh, focused to the nutritional needs of really high-level competitive curlers, and even to the point of, you know, you have a weeks-long competition, and how do you even do the daily uh, needs and schedules and menus for, for that competition. Now, this might be the complete opposite of that spectrum, but I, I wanted you here to talk about nutrition for kids. And just as a background, I, I work with Little Rocks, which are the youngest kids, and they're anywhere from, depending on the program, 6 to 12. So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted you on tonight to, to ask you about nutrition for kids. So uh, I'm going to start with a really general question, and and we'll drill down a bit. How important is it for us as coaches and parents to know about the nutritional needs of of our kids? Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, obviously quite important. I just want to say good evening first, and thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be chatting with you uh, this evening. Um, And to answer your first question, um, it is, you know, nutrition for kids, it's quite, it's quite important. Um, it's important to remember that this is a time where kids are growing, so their needs for nutrient is quite high. And that's if you don't even factor in the physical activity that they'd be doing. So now if you bring in athletes, curlers, and they're, you know, growing, plus there's an energy expenditure that's happening from training, um, then it becomes quite important to pay attention to nutrition. Um, Usually, I like to kind of talk about different aspects where nutrition can help uh, young kids and specifically young active kids. We know a lot that nutrition can help improve uh, muscle repair and recovery, you know, good nutrition when it's well-timed, when there are balanced snacks and meals, which I know we will get into later on in the podcast. Um, it helps strengthen the immune system, which is nowadays during COVID more important than ever, but, you know, always quite important, especially when uh, we go back to our regular lifestyles, um, you know, being in contact with others, when we talk about 
travel and things like that. Um, it helps prevents injury and overtraining. So as these kids are growing, you know, I, I expect that some of them are going to want to move up um, at higher com competitive levels. So their training demands is going to be higher. So really paying attention to their nutrition is really going to make sure that their body is growing at the right rate, um, that they're getting the nutrients that they need to prevent any injuries um, and to really withstand the demands that come from, from the training that they're going to be doing. Um, it does provide good energy, uh, not to mention it helps improve mood. So a lot of, whether they're, they're kids or adults, a lot of us really get uh, moody if we don't have the right nutrients or if we don't have enough food in our bodies. So really important for the mental aspect as well. Um, and really just provides key nutrients that can promote good health and growth. With my young athletes, I like to also talk about uh, taking pleasure in the food that they eat. So, you know, today we're going to get into talking about different types of foods. Maybe I'll be giving you some different ideas uh, of snacks and meals. But really, I guess the takeaway is to make sure that you take that message and apply it to what works best for, for you, you know, whether you're a parent listening or um, a young athlete listening, uh, making sure that you apply those concepts through foods that you enjoy eating um, and taking pleasures in the food that you eat. I'm really a big fan of, of that and, and making sure that whatever um, the athletes is choosing to eat is actually something that they enjoy. So it kind of uh, feeds two purposes, um, enjoyment and also kind of having a more uh, functional role in the body. I remember listening to the webinar and thinking that this was a very high level one and thinking about, you know, all the, 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 the really fine details almost of, of things to consider. And when you're dealing with yeah. kids, I think it's a, correct me if I'm wrong, but we really have to focus on making it simple and, and making sure. it fun and, and tasty for them, uh, yeah, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's a great introduction, Melissa. And of course, we're going to do this uh, talk about nutrition and the structure of curling and curling and running youth programs. But mm -hmm. just so the listeners know as well, you have experience with multiple sports, including curling. And, yeah. you know, so it's very much this, this is really focused on curling, but uh, feel free to, to tell us about what other sports might be doing. And maybe we can implement that into our, our programs as well. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have a list of, I, I, I must admit, I'm a little bit excited here because I've always wanted to ask some of these questions to, uh, to, to a registered dietitian. And we'll talk about uh, the nomenclature about that later. But let's talk about before practice. You, you did mention mm -hmm. uh, kids need food. Uh, part of it is their mood right? If they're hungry, they're going to be cranky. I, I, yeah. even, even I know that uh, running yeah. this program. So uh, I'll give you a, a situation and uh, I'll tell you how I handle it and, and tell me sure. if there's anything I have to consider. Okay. Okay. So many times my practice starts at 1.15 and many times I'll see families come into the club around 1230-ish and order food uh, from the from the kitchen, so we have a caterer happen to have a caterer in our kitchen, and so they eat as a family before practice starts. But in many cases, they don't get their food on time. It's a little later, so I, I see them rushing to put the last few fries in their mouth before they run downstairs. Mm -hmm. I think to me, it seems important for them just to get their bellies full before they go downstairs and, and forget about them being late for warm up. Is that uh, is that the right strategy for me? Yes, I think you are thinking in, I mean, in an, you know, 
in a real realistic scenario, not an ideal scenario, sorry, I was kind of thinking in a realistic scenario, you do want to make sure that your athletes are well fueled for practice, even if they miss the first few minutes um, of a warm up. I mean, I don't know, maybe the strength and conditioning coaches who might be listening will disagree, but from a nutritional <laughs> perspective, <laughs> um, from a nutritional perspective, I think you do want athletes well fueled because how long is the practice? Is it a couple it's of one hours? Hour. No, it's one, one hour, hour on the ice. Yeah. yeah. If they haven't had, you know, if some of them have had breakfast three hours before the start of practice and they're not going to eat for another hour, that, that that's now four hours without any fuel. Chances are towards the last stretch of practice, they're going to get tired. They're going to get cranky. Their, their mental focus is not going to be the same. If you're giving them feedback, they're not going to be as focused. Um, so I would say, yes, it's probably a good strategy to make sure they get some food in before before they start or even from a coach's perspective maybe communicating with them you know what if you know you have a practice at 115 um i don't know if it's possible within your club to uh, or to, to speak to the families to arrive a little bit earlier so that they make sure they get their food on time can eat together have some room to digest food and then and then get up get on the ice on time so that way it's a win for you but also they're well fueled. So maybe instead of coming in at 1230 and ordering food and they've got 45 minutes to get the food, eat it quickly, get on the ice, which doesn't leave a lot of room to digest. I'd probably recommend maybe even trying to come in an hour, an hour and a half earlier, getting the food in, eating together as a family, enjoying that really uh, nice social aspect, and then having time to get on the ice as well without rushing things through. That would okay. probably be, you know, if, if that's a message that's that's possible. If not, then yeah, I mean, it, it's still better to get something in before they get on the ice than having nothing at all. I'll, I'll be honest, twelve thirty is early. <laughs> it, it is For lunch. I, it, it, well, the, your, my earliest parents and kids come around twelve thirty. So okay, okay, uh, so so coming earlier is not a possibility. <laughs> I, I, and you know what? Uh, the way kids are these days, they're coming from other activities. A lot of them, mm-hmm. whether it be the bat, uh, baseball practice or dance right. or whatever. Right. That's a good so point. maybe I, I've seen some parents bring you know food to the club, so they'll bring like a yeah. subway sandwich or something they've picked up on the way and and eat it yeah. there. Yeah, But I I hear you that uh, trying to get something in their bellies and have a chance for it to digest first is a a good strategy, generally speaking. Yeah. And and what I would say to that is I I usually recommend my my athletes to kind of experiment a little bit with that. Pre-training nutrition is going to be very, very individual. So if there's one key message that I want families to take from this is that it's it's really going to be different from one athlete to another. Um, and some of them are going to be able to arrive at the club at 1230, order something, you know, get their food maybe by 1 PM, eat it quickly, get on the ice, no problem. Whereas others might have a little bit more difficulty digesting that food in, in 30 minutes or or 20 minutes or whatever time they have to, to eat. Right. Um, so I would say to try to experiment with the time that they have and what they have, you know, the schedule that they have available to them. And then if it is a little bit, if, if, you know, parents are dealing with kids who do, who are struggling with digesting the food closer to practice, then maybe, as you said, trying to eat something on the way, whether it's a sandwich, that's a great idea. Um, that would probably be the best bet as a lunch prior to, prior to training. And then that way it leaves them a little bit more time to digest, but usually at least an hour would be, would be recommended as a general recommendation. And then from there, each one would have to individualize and see what works best. 
Uh, you mean eating an hour before the activity? Yes, an hour before the activity. Okay. Well, thank you, Melissa. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go to question two. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay. So this is a shorter question, I think, but uh, yeah. always on the ice, you know, we're on the ice for an hour and uh, granted the activity, it's curling. It's not like they're running cross yeah. country or anything. Yeah. So the activity level, I would say is low or moderate. It's not the, yeah. maybe if they're sweeping hard, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll expend some energy. Yep. When my kids want a water break, sometimes it feels like they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And uh, of course, if one kid wants the water break, other kids want to join them around the cooler. I want water too. I want water too. Do we have to be concerned about hydration at this point? That's a, you know what? That's a tough question. Um, you, you probably know your athletes best if you feel like it might not be not be as warranted, the water break, but it's really going to depend on how well hydrated these athletes come into practice. Um, so again, maybe a good tip to kind of answer this question would be, you know, for parents to be mindful about how well their, their kids are hydrating leading in to the practice. You know, do they wake up, not have any fluids, um, and then come to practice, chances are, yes, those athletes are going to be quite dehydrated and are going to be needing some fuel middle, middle of practice, even if it's, it's been an hour. Um, and then, and then if, if not, if they've been well hydrated, then, then it might be okay. So usually a really easy way. And even if, if it's not, you know, even if you're not training very intensely, an easy way to kind of tell if an athlete is, is coming in hydrated or not is really just to get them in the habit to look at their peak color, right? You, you don't need to check for them. You get them in the habit um, to look at their peak color. And an interesting way to tell this to kids is, you know what, um, whatever's coming out of your body is really kind of just a sign of what's going on inside. Um, and it's really just the way of your body communicating with you. So if you just look at your peak color and if it's very dark, then you might not be getting enough fluids um, to, to hydrate your body. But if it, on the other hand, you're peeing out, uh, lighter color pee, then you're getting enough fluid and it's enough to hydrate your body. So you can get them to do this quick check, whether it's before they get to the club or whether they need to use the washroom just before practice and kind of assess where they're at. But generally the darker their pee is, the, um, the more dehydrated they're going to be. And so likely they're going to need to, um, they're going to need to replace those fluids during practice um and the lighter therapy color then then they might not need it as much so that way it gives them an idea of kind of where they need to be um and then and then the other thing is that i'm not sure if they if they can keep some water bottles kind of near Uh. them so that way that way they don't need to (laughs) they don't need to kind of go to the water fountain and take a long break but it's kind of more a very short water break where they can just grab some sips of water throughout training if that's possible well, it's funny you mentioned that because before school went online, I mean, even my kindergarten son was expected to have a water bottle with him all the times. One of the things that we can really, as coaches and organizers, really uh, piggyback on is if they're doing it already in school, chances are we, those habits are easily translatable on the, in the oh, curling yes. club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just uh, to answer my own question, we generally let them if they want to go to the water cooler, we get it. Sometimes it's just to goof off, but sometimes even coaches <laughs> need a break too. So 
here, here's, here's a big one that uh, I've thought about. And, and a lot of my fellow organizers and coaches think about if they run a program like mine, especially for little kids. A typical Little Rocks practice is Sunday afternoon or Sundays. It's an, an hour or two. You come off the ice and you have snack. Like that's tradition. Yeah. So you go up to the lounge, you line up, and then you get whatever's there. And there's usually some snack and then some sort of drink. So just uh, to give you a little background, just in our particular situation at East York, before the pandemic hit, a typical snack would be something like cut fruit or vegetables, like a plate of that, that people could just pick from. And then let's just say something not as healthy. So maybe it would be fries or mac and cheese. Sometimes it even depended on what the kitchen was making for a particular dinner or something. So, uh, and, oh, and for the drink, of course they could have water all the time. That's always available, but generally speaking, hot chocolate is the go-to drink in I mean, I know enough of enough clubs that either do it out of a machine or in right. sl- a slow cooker or wherever. So, so that's how it's laid out at our particular club. And it's not so much different at other clubs. I think I explained to you in a previous conversation that uh, if you don't have a kitchen available or a caterer available, in many times it's up to the, the parents to organize their snack. So there may be a tendency to use a little more prepackaged stuff, you know, right. a, a yeah. Rice Krispie square in a juice box, for lack right. of a better yeah. example. Yeah. What, what, are, what are some tips and guidance that you what can you give us for? about? Yeah. And, and, and by the way, snacks going to happen. <laughs> it, it, for sure. It, I don't know of a club that doesn't have snack of some kind, even if it's just the parent buying them something or getting them something themselves. So do, uh, is it more like kind of what, what should you look for as a family members organizing those snacks or as clubs, coaches organizing those snacks? I guess one, one uh, great question. Sorry, I, I'll focus it a little bit more. So yeah, that's okay. how much should we be thinking about healthy, quote unquote, healthy stuff versus quote unquote, junk food? Because, you know, frankly, there's a reason for both. And, and I've heard arguments for both from even from parents mm-hmm. and kids. Right. Um, what have been the arguments? I'm just curious kind of for, for having both. I, definitely the healthy arguments, because after a few years, people were thinking that they were getting too much junk food. You know, what can't we have? You know, we're, we're a sports program. We, we want to think about the overall health of our kids. Mm-hmm. This is a parent's perspective, not just right. one, but multi. So yeah. we need to have more nutritious stuff. And uh, Frank, because we have a, a caterer and a kitchen that cooks for us, uh, yeah. It's easier to do that. Now, on the other hand, you know, it's hot chocolate, right? I mean, right. It, I know yeah. it's, let's be f- frank, you know, it's not the greatest. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> it's mixing the cup with some hot water. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's warm and it's, it's tradition. I know it, it's maybe, tra- maybe tradition isn't the greatest excuse, but you know, it kind of is. It so, is. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 so those are the competing sort of uh, right. factors okay. here. No, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you what the perspective is just so, so that I can um, see what what the perspectives are for, of, of the parents and, and kind of everyone as well, coaches included. You know what? I am, it's funny you ask me this, but I am very much, um, I like to approach nutrition with, you know, all foods fit. 
Um, and especially when we're talking to young kids, I would probably encourage parents to really have that approach that, you know what, instead of labeling food as healthy versus unhealthy or good or bad or junk versus clean or whatever, you know, we hear these days in terms of labeling food, I really try to move away from that just because I find that it doesn't have to necessarily happen to everyone, but sometimes it can create an unhealthy relationship with food or maybe make eventually certain athletes feel like they're doing something bad if they're having hot chocolate or that they're not nourishing their body properly. Um, and I think you brought up a good point that sometimes there are things that are just traditional and they taste good and it's okay to have them. So I would probably say it's okay to have a little bit of everything in moderation, but yeah, sure. You do want to have those nourishing foods as well. Right. So what I'm not saying is that all foods are equal in terms of nutrient density. So not all foods are going to have the same nutritional value. What I'm trying to say is maybe look at them as if they're, you know, all foods, right? They're not good or bad or clean or junk. Um, they're really just all foods, right? Um, and that way you can have some fun with it, some pleasure, as I kind of brought up at the beginning of the podcast and keep the tradition, but also make sure that, yeah, it is still feeding a purpose because we do want them to get those nutrients for growth and learn how to nourish their body. And, you know, if they were to take curling to a more competitive level, then they, they, they are able to do so with strong bodies. So I think it's important to kind of balance both and, and make sure not to kind of look at certain food as terrible for us and, and others as a, as a lot better, but, but really try to kind of yeah, have a little bit of a balance between, between all of them. So that's, that's one thing, um, to answer the question about kind of what you want to try to look for, you know, when we're thinking recovery or snacks for, uh, for after practice, it, it's really important if you're, if you're family members or coaches or for the caterer, even to communicate that with them is to make sure that you've got food sources that are going to provide carbohydrate. All right. Because usually when you think about curling practice, they're going to use up. Yes, I know they're not, you know, it's, it's not an endurance based sport, but they're going to use up some, some carbohydrates, especially those who are sweeping. Um, they're going to use some of that carbohydrate stores in their body. Okay. Um, and don't forget the brain also uses up carbohydrate and, and mental focus is a big part of curling. Um, so they still do need to replenish that form of energy from carbohydrate. And then you want to pair that with a little bit of protein. And what protein does is that it helps repair those muscle tissues where there may have been some wear and tear that may have happened from curling um, and, and really just help promote recovery and speed up recovery or even start the recovery process. Okay, So you really want to try to have that combination of carbohydrate and protein. So if you think of the hot chocolate, you know, it's, yes, it's water and, and some cocoa and some sugar, but at least there's some carbohydrate there. And I find you've got a good balance of having those fruits, having those vegetables there, which are those carbohydrate foods that are going to bring in a lot of antioxidants, bring in a lot of nutrients in to these kids' bodies too, right? So you've kind of got right. those fun foods um, and keeping that tradition, but also getting those foods that are going to allow uh, that nutrition in. Um, so those are gonna, those can be good examples of carbohydrate foods. And now you want to pair that with some protein. So I'd probably say to make sure that, that there was also some protein foods. Um, so maybe having, you know, I love chocolate milk because it's kind of similar to, um, the hot chocolate. It's kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's sweet. Most kids like it. 
Um, and it, and, and it's got the carbohydrate, the sugars that they need, but it's also got some of that protein. Um, and you know, Costco will have those ultra high, even Costco, but even a lot of grocery stores nowadays, I've seen it in Canada where they would have the ultra high temperature milk. It's UHT milk that's been heated at high temperature. So, for those who don't have access to a fridge in a club and, and need the milk to be sitting at room temperature, you can just get those milk cartons. They're in small cartons. They have straw and, um, and they're chocolate flavored. Um, they come in different flavors and then that can be kind of displayed as a, as a protein source. Um, you can offer nuts if it's allowed. If they're not a, a lot of allergies, that can be another great protein source or kind of create a little trail mix. So kind of have a variety of dried fruits and and nuts, and I know that can have a long shelf life. Energy bites are great. Uh, you know, they're a great way to get some oatmeal in there, some peanut butter, add some chocolate chips, you know, again, kind of adding some of those uh, maybe more fun foods that kids might, might enjoy. Um, and, and again, getting, getting those foods that are going to provide protein, such as the nut butter, but also getting in the foods that are going to provide carbohydrate like oats, like oatmeal and um, chocolate chip or dried fruits in there. Um, the other one is if you do have access to a fridge and can keep some items refrigerated, you can always keep some cheese and crackers. So the cheese would be the protein, the crackers would be the carb, and then they can combine that with some fruit and veggies, which you guys are already offering. Um, maybe some crackers and hummus, or maybe offering some yogurt, um, you know, those little yogurt cups that come individually. So each one can kind of grab their own. Um, same thing for the cheese. They can be offered individually uh, in those individual packs so that each one can grab their own as well. Um, so that way you kind of get a nice variety of carbs and protein uh, that is good for recovery. It's It's got lots of nutrition, but there's still kind of, you know, still some of those fun foods that, that kids tend to enjoy. You know, if we think of energy bites, if we think of um, the hot chocolate, the chocolate milks, things like that, where it can be a little, a little bit of a fun and, and still kind of be nutritious. You've mentioned something about uh, allergies and yeah, uh, all of our program organizers, and I can speak for myself directly, we always have to be aware of that. So whether it's right. a specific tree nut allergy or uh, over the years, it's been a lot of different kinds of allergies, but generally speaking, it's like peanuts and tree nuts is the most common right. one. And yeah. If there's a family, say, that uh, has a specific dietary restriction, maybe sometimes a kid is a, a, like has a vegan or a vegetarian diet, maybe, or they can't eat meat for some reason. It, it, there, there's just j stuff you have to be aware of. And we have sure. to ask all of our parents and uh, before the season starts and we get all that information. So uh, yeah. when it comes to the, the, the menu planning for this sort of thing, yeah, it, it, absolutely. While you were talking, Melissa, I am thinking about even though we're quote unquote just kids or we're just teaching yeah. quote unquote kids, a lot of these things, especially kids that move up in the sport, not not God, not even this sport, but other sports, they're they're gaining the habits or they're learning the habits of good nutrition. And mm -hmm. I feel that's one of our 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 jobs. You know, at least try not to do the wrong things. At least try and lead them uh, toward good habits instead of, mm. you know, and be conscious of that. So as we continue, I, I do want to get into that and, and maybe think about some of the, the mixed messages we might be sending nutrition wise. I have one for sure that I'll, I'll get to. Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of uh, uh, competition in the fueling for competition 
uh, webinar you did, yes. there, there are things that are actually quite, there was one thing that I heard that's something that I, a piece of advice I give my own kids when it comes to bond spiels. Yeah. And yeah. of course, a bond spiel is a, a one day tournament. Usually mm-hmm. for kids, it's two games with lunch in between. Mm-hmm. So this is the advice I give to all my new bond spielers. It's mm-hmm. one, always eat something for breakfast. Don't come to the club hungry. And mm-hmm. two, uh, don't eat anything uh, strange, new, unusual. Uh, right. Make sure make sure you know what you're eating because, yeah, I, I've had some experience with teen, teenage competition and uh, competitive yeah. curlers. And, yeah, that's <laughs> not a good uh, idea. So uh, keep it yeah. familiar and, and have something in your belly. Yeah, I think those are very, very important. So make sure that you're eating for a happy gut and a comfortable gut and that, yeah, the foods that you're choosing are foods that you're familiar with. So oftentimes I give the example that, hey, say you forgot to get your food and you want to grab an energy bar from your um, teammates, you know, chances are make sure that this bar is a bar that you're familiar with, is a brand that you're familiar with that you've tried because what you don't want to do is try something completely new and then it upsets your stomach or maybe you're, you're reacting to it or you're, you're reacting to an ingredient in the bar. Right. So yeah, very, very important. And another thing is a lot of athletes sometimes, you know, tend to be a little bit more anxious on competition days. So, so that can also impact how well they digest certain foods. So even though they may tolerate something on a regular day, if they're a little bit more anxious, um, they can react to it a little differently. So that's why it's also so important to make sure that they're, they know what, what foods work for them. And the best time to try this is during training. Right. Well, yeah. speaking of bond spiels and, uh, this, I don't, I think a short answer is fine. Uh, I, I'm the one who plans our little rock bond yeah. spiel. So we invite kids from all over and for lunch, uh, you know, uh, as a menu, we have uh, pasta with a meat sauce or uh, like a marinara sauce, yeah. uh, salad, garlic bread, and then something for dessert. So I, I know I know I'm throwing that out to you just to tell you, but yeah. you, you know, we always think about you know, should I give them pizza? Should I give them fries? Like I, in my, I mean, my rationale is I don't want to give them anything too heavy you know, and too much like fried food. I I just want to keep it light and they've got another game to play. So the last thing I want to do is, you know, ruin their, 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 uh, their, their energy low. It's not Mm -hmm. even, I just don't want to ruin it for them for the second game. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, pizza and fries are delicious and they can totally fit into an athlete's diet. You know, that that's, that's not why we don't want them on a competition day. Um, again, it really comes down to if we look at you're offering the meals to all of the athletes. So you really want to make sure that whatever you're offering is catering to the majority of the athletes, right? right. So when we're thinking about, I mean, pizza can fit in a little bit more because if you think about it, it's dough. So good carbohydrates, there's some cheese on there. It depends on what the toppings are. You know, if they're mostly vegetables, um, it, it should be okay. Um, but again, it depends or if they're having, you know, things like pepperoni, which are higher fat, then that can be a little heavier for some kids. Um, same thing for the fries, you know, that they are, it is a snack that is heavier. It is a meal that is, it could add a little bit more density to the meal. Not everybody's going to digest it the same way. So yeah, so I would probably say safer bet to kind of keep it for later. Um, and not to kind of incorporate it as a mid 
mid-meal between two events, between two bond spiels, um, between two, two competitions, sorry. Right. For two games. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, you mentioned pasta. I think that's a great meal to have, pasta with meat sauce. Um, or if, if you're offering marinara sauce, maybe offering some cheese just so that they do get a little bit of protein. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that, because you, you, you always so go back to kind of, okay, I, I need some, you know, those kids need some carbohydrate for energy, but they also do need a little bit of protein to support their muscles. Um, you don't need a lot of protein, so it's not about have, giving them big burgers and big, big steaks, but they do need a little bit. So when you do the pasta sauce with some meat or a tomato sauce with some cheese, that gives them a little bit of that protein that they need. Um, or even like a tuna, a pasta and tuna salad, or resorting to sandwiches, uh, like ham and cheese sandwiches or tuna sandwiches, um, offering those different varieties so that they can choose. And again, kind of checking in with all the families to make sure what their preferences are, uh, if there are any allergies, if anybody's vegetarian or not, um, so that we can, you can offer those different options depending on what, what you decide. But but yeah, I think pasta is a safe bet. A sandwich is going to be a safe bet. Um, and then you can always offer sometimes what I recommend, you know, if I am supporting a coach or a team kind of menu plan is also to offer some little snacks with the meal because you're always going to have right. those athletes who are have a bigger appetite and who want to kind of <laughs> uh, eat a little bit more or even those who can't have a meal and are going to decide to have some small snacks throughout just because that's what they can stomach. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, kind of going back on those little yogurt, uh, uh, t- little yogurt tubs that they can grab and go some fruits, um, maybe some granola bars, um, or those individual individual chocolate milk cartons that they can sip on and easily add to their meal, um, or even even offering some crackers and hummus, or um, if if that's you know possible within w- within kind of the catering uh, <laughs> right. budget that you have or things like that. But but yeah, for sure. Like this, I'm just kind of throwing lots of ideas, but and seeing kind of what you you guys can kind of do with that and and what's possible. Oh, that's fantastic, Melissa. And by the way, yeah. we, we feed them the fries after game two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's their treat, awesome. right? Exactly, yeah. I have this question, and maybe I'm going to try and phrase it the best way mm-hmm. I can. It's sort yeah. of an overall question. You've sort of hit all the sort of specific questions I wanted to ask you, Yeah. Uh, at least when it comes to the kids. There's, there's one I want to add at the end that uh, uh, we'll talk about more. But I think about, you know, what are the messages we're sending kids when it comes to food. And I'll, I'll give you an example. It's not really snacks per se, or, or uh, the Bonspiel meals or anything like that. It's more like the, the, the subtle messaging we give. So for example, yeah. uh, you know, Halloween, right? What do we do on Halloween? We, we give them candy, right? We, it's, it's, yeah. it's, if, if the, the closest Sunday, it's in October, you know, it's, it's a pretty easy and fun thing that kids all love. And we get them to yeah. slide to a bucket full of candy, right? Yeah. Or uh, Valentine's Day, right? It's yeah. the same thing, right? You know, uh, here's some uh, here's some Hershey's Kisses, right? Yeah. Uh, just do that. Or if if you win, you know, we'll do a competition of some kind in the club, like just in our little group. Right. And yeah. if they if you win, you get a bag of chocolate bars, or mm-hmm. you know, I, I I'll admit, like I, I'll be the first to admit that I've used candy and chocolate as as prizes, and you know, I, I feel a little. Uh, yeah, I feel a little uh, 
gosh, I can't even think of the word right now. I, I feel a little torn about that just because okay, I know yeah. it's not, I know it's not the healthiest thing, but you know, it's, it's, it's a treat as well. So, yeah. you know, does, does a kid want a bag of apples after they, <laughs> you know, do, uh, do win a competition on the ice? I, I wanted to say that because what are those messages I'm giving as the person in charge, you know? And and is there right. something I can do to to moderate that? Uh, gosh, I'm I'm, I'm a lot of okay. I'm a loss of words sometimes. No, and I I really understand where you're coming from. Um, okay, I hope I don't lose any supporters, or <laughs> we'll have a lot of parents disagree with me. But so again, I'm I'm gonna kind of reinforce the message of trying. I would encourage you as a coach to try to. Um, I really love the tradition that you, you know, you mentioned to me the Halloween um, and, you know, kind of sharing different candy prices or the, the, the Hershey chocolates on Valentine. I, you know, if you think about it, when the kids are going to grow up, what are they going to remember from those early curling days that, you know, they're, they're going to remember those really fun memories. Um, and so again, I'm really big on trying not to label foods Right. At least when I'm, you know, we know that, yes, some foods are going to be more nutritious than others. I cannot argue that. That's 100% true. But at least when I'm communicating to kids and as they're learning about nutrition, just because we're so bombarded with like health messages all the time on social media, on the news, on um, on TV, from shows that, that maybe kids are watching, um, I, I really try not to label food as as good or bad, right? So, right. So for you as a coach, you're trying to balance this and I know where you're coming from. It's like, okay, you know, I, I do appreciate the tradition and I can see that, you know, that that's something you you value in your club and, and a lot, it, curling as a sport generally values tradition, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, I, I, I admire that. Um, and I think you should keep that, you know, it's great if you, you can keep that going. But yeah, I understand if you want to moderate it a little bit and you know what, there's nothing wrong with switching up the prices. Sometimes it can be food. Sometimes it can be, I don't know, something else, um, maybe something right. else that you think um, they'd benefit from, you know, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now, maybe <laughs> uh, hand sanitizer, <laughs> but, um, you know, or it could be, you can vary it up from like different energy bars or um, that, that can be on the market. So kind of just kind of giving different options and sometimes it's going to be a chocolate and then sometimes it's going to be, um, you know, packs of trail mix or right. sometimes it's not going to be food at all. Right. So kind of just giving them that variety and not holding more value to one prize over another, I think is really important. So that okay. way they learn that, okay, whatever price I'm going to get, a price is a price. I'm just the winning team. And this is the price that I get. But if I got chocolate, it's not, it's not less good or less less good, let's say, than the right. energy bar or the trail mix that the other team got or if I got. So really just, I think variety is, is going to be important. And and I think keeping those traditions is, is important too. So that way, you know, I, I would probably discourage trying to find a healthier chocolate alternative for Valentine or a healthier candy alternative for oh, Halloween. God, no. And really, yeah, really <laughs> let them enjoy that as as it is. And, and you know what? Kids at that age... Um, six, you know, you know, six years, seven years, eight years, this is a time where at least the younger ones, I would say they're very intuitive. And a lot of times I think parents fear that, oh my God, if I'm going to allow them to eat candy on Halloween, they're just going to keep eating and eating and eating. And, and you know what, it's, if, if you just let them 
do their thing, they're, they're going to stop when they're full. And they're, and even if you think they ate five bags of candy, which, you know, maybe you think is a lot, they'll adjust it the next day because they are, you know, when they're not, I would say, um, damaged by <laughs> the, the culture of needing to eat healthy all the time, um, they, they will adjust their eating naturally and they, they are very much in tune with their, with their bodies. But when we interfere with that and we kind of give them those messages that, hey, make sure you don't eat a, a lot of this and make sure you, um, you know, you get all of the good foods in, then it can start interfering with how how they regulate more naturally in terms right. of the amount of foods that they eat. So I would say, yeah, if, if there's one thing you can do as a coach and I think you're, you're, you're doing great is really just kind of not giving more value to one group of food compared to the other and keeping up those tradition and just varying it up, just yes. give variety. So that way they're exposed to all of those foods and they learn that, Hey, these, these can all fit in to my diet. Yeah, I really respect the idea of variety. I, I know that I, I'm not perfect. I'm not a I'm not a nutritionist or a registered dietitian. So, <laughs> uh, I, if, but I think if I can provide a variety of things, and you're right, yeah. it doesn't have to be food. Like we don't even have to associate food or or tr quote unquote treats with prizes and winning. So, right. yeah, it just uh, having that uh, variety of things. But uh, speaking of uh, registered dietitians and, and yeah. nutritionists, I, I did want to uh, uh, give you a chance to to talk about that. Uh, you obviously uh, you are a registered dietitian, and and that's a specific yes. certification that that you yeah. you've earned. Uh, could you talk about what is a registered dietitian, and, and why yeah. is that? Why is that designation important versus, say, someone who calls mm -hmm. themselves uh, a nutritionist? Yeah. So typically in Ontario, I'm going to speak for Ontario uh, mainly because it's a little different in different in in other provinces. Um, so in Ontario, the title of registered dietitian is protected, um, and so we are part of a college that. Uh, make sure, so basically we're, we're held up to a standard to make sure that the way we practice is in the best interest of all the clients that we see. Um, you know, information that I provided today is to the best of my knowledge, you know, very evidence-based and the best information that I have to, to provide for whoever is listening. Um, and it's always in the best interest of whoever we're working with, right? Um, and we also always have to, we've obviously gone through specific training in university. So the training that I did was three years and a half in university, and then we have to go through an internship uh, as well. So there's, there's quite a bit of training that goes into it. We learn both about clinical nutrition, community nutrition, uh, food service. So it's kind of a, quite of a comprehensive program. Um, but I guess the most important part is that we really um, work in the best interest of, of the client. We always have that in mind. Um, and we also have to make sure that, um, you know, we are up to date with the information that there's continuous education every year uh, professionally. Um, and that's kind of what the college helps us do. Um, and then the college is also there to protect um, the community. So if ever there are uh, situations where someone is not happy, then the College of Dietitians of Ontario uh, would be there for the community of Ontario to make sure that, you know, you know, wh whatever, whoever dietitian they're working with is kind of providing that, that ideal service um, 
to the standard that we'll, we'll, we're held up uh, against. Um, and in terms of nutritionist, anybody can be a nutritionist. So you don't have to go through a specific uh, program or training. Um, so I guess that would be the main difference. There's no governing body um, or college that um, that I know of that kind of holds these uh, th- these practitioners to a certain standard. Um, again, I mean, you know what? Sometimes I know people who are nutritionists who have done extensive research who are very, very good. So I don't want to talk badly about any, any person or any profession. Um, but I would say typically in... If you are looking for nutrition information, um, if you are looking for nutrition support, um, it's always better to look for uh, a registered dietitian because you know that you're likely going to get um, evidence-based information and, and quality care. Um, and then even if you're reading information online, let's say it's an article, um, you know, always check who is writing the article. Um, and, and who is putting that information out there and making sure that there, there are uh, the RD credentials, so for, which stands for registered dietitian, um, that that person has. So let's say it would be, you know, I'm going to use my name, for example, Melissa Kazan, RD. And then you would know that that person is a registered dietitian. Um, so at least you'd make sure that, oh, okay, so this person, when they're talking about nutrition, they know what they're, I can make sure that it's, you know, information I can trust. Right. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the designation RD, and uh, a lot of people who are listening to our podcast right now are from all across Canada, mostly. Mm-hmm. Although we, yeah. there, there are various people who listen uh, internationally, mostly in the US, but most of our listeners yeah. are in Canada. Uh, is the RD designation the same in all the provinces? Yeah, it's the same in all the provinces. In Quebec, nutritionist is also a reserved title. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it, other people would not be allowed to call themselves nutritionists if they haven't gone through the same program that dietitians have to go through. So, um, but typically what you would see is RD as a designation, as the credentials, but in Quebec, the nutritionist title is also reserved versus, I know Ontario, it's not reserved. And I know BC because I've worked there. It's not, it's not as a reserved title, a little different in each province, <laughs> which makes yeah. it more confusing. I had to do my own research and find out what that meant for myself. And it's yeah. a big reason why I invited you up here or, or to the podcast. Not that there are nutritionists. You're right. There are some nutritionists yeah. that, you know, that, that know their limitations and, yeah, and, exactly. and and have a specific thing maybe that they're dealing with. And, yeah. you know, that doesn't, it doesn't mean to say that I'll not ever invite someone to talk on this podcast about it, but uh, for this, at least for the first time, I wanted someone on the podcast. I, I did want someone who was an RD. So uh, I appreciate it. No, thank thank you so much. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I've got one more question, and this is a, maybe it's a little selfish, but I <laughs> I, I I am a coach, and yeah. uh, when it's Sunday practice, uh, you know, sometimes I'll come into practice hungry. I haven't eaten, and I'll on the way to practice, it's about a 20, 30 minute ride to practice. I'll, I'll pass by Tim Hortons and grab a bagel and a coffee. And, and to be perfectly blunt, I'll never get to it. It'll just sit on the <laughs> counter or right by the fireplace. And right. by the time I get to it, it's all gunky and cold. So yeah. Yeah. So 
I, I, I always think about coaches and I love kids. And of course, we think about the health and well-being of our kids. But sometimes we have to look after ourselves first as coaches and make sure that we come into the situation as, as much 100% or as much as we can. So if we're yeah. not, you know, if our bellies aren't full ourselves, then, you know, that's something that we need to, to work on. And yeah. I, 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 honestly, it's, it's my Achilles heel. So what, what can I do, Melissa? No, that's a, that's a great point. And I agree. I think you do want to bring your best to your team. Um, don't forget that, you know, good nutrition that we talked about for kids, we talked about it providing energy, but, you know, providing, making sure that it improves your moods. Um, and so those are two main factors that would be important for coaches is that you do want to be, you do want to be present when you're coaching your athletes. You do want to have a good mood. You do want to be focused and, and, and be available to them. So I would probably say those would be two key motivators to make sure that you you're taking care of your nutrition as a coach. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, again, there's, there's nothing wrong with stopping by uh, Tim's if you've got a busy day, um, and you need to make a stop to get your food, whether you're getting a sandwich from Subway or you're getting a bagel from Tim's. Um, and, and that's totally fine. You probably just want to make sure that you are taking some time to yourself so that you can eat it. So whether it's leaving a little bit earlier so that you can have that food for you. So again, you can't take care of someone else if you're not well taken care of yourself, right? So you do want to make sure that you take that time for yourself to, to eat um, or even planning your day ahead of time, right? Can you can you plan your meal before you leave um, and, and make sure that you eat before you leave, especially if you know that it's going to get hectic from the time you get into the car um, and, and to the club. So it, it really depends on everyone. Um, and then again, kind of making sure that the foods that you're choosing are foods that you know are going to make you feel good. Um, typically, like, you know, if we, if we go back to basics, I like to recommend making sure that there's some carbohydrate foods for energy, some protein foods uh, to keep you full, maybe a little bit of fiber from vegetables. So, you know, if you like to get a bagel, um, you know, Tim's is pretty flexible where you can add some, some ham and cheese and then some lettuce, uh, you know, and then you can kind of make it a little bit more filling. Um, and it's just kind of finding out some, finding the time into your date so that you can either leave earlier or make the time so that you can actually eat it. Um, or the other thing is really just kind of planning ahead of time um, in a way that works for you, how you could have a meal before you leave. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and I'm being realistic here. Uh, I leave the house and, and <laughs> yeah, eating before. Now, the one thing I thought of as you were saying all that was I usually visit the Tim's. Like it's not a matter of not like I have the time to go through the drive-through. That's not never the yeah. issue. It's the issue yeah. is I literally park in the Curling Club parking lot. I run in. I, I you know I walk into the club and I think I'm going to sit down at a table and start eating whatever I right. brought. But there's always something, right? right. Or I feel yeah. like I have to get things ready because there never seems to be enough time. And by the way, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I, I know a lot of coaches that as soon as they walk in the club, they're swamped or they feel swamped. Right. So the, the only solution or the one solution I thought of was I could just sit in the parking lot and eat. <laughs> you could say, you know what, that's one solution. Um, and I'm just thinking of another one as you're speaking um, is making a smoothie perhaps, ah. because then that's something that you can carry with you and then still kind of get to your things and then, and then drink at the same time, especially if you're, you're really busy. And if, you know, 
eating in the car is not possible and eating before leaving the house is not possible. So um, that could be another way. I mean, it's, I always recommend my clients to take the time to eat. Um, but I understand that that's not always realistic. And sometimes, you know, you do have to do other things. So, so yeah, a smoothie can be a great way also to get lots of nutrition in um, and feel well and be energized, but then kind of, it can be something that you're doing while you're driving and then kind of sipping on it as well as you arrive to the club. What's your favorite smoothie? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't have a favorite, to be honest. I'm always <laughs> looking for different flavors. Um, some th- I love to make banana, peanut butter, milk, oh. and I put a little bit of vanilla. Ooh, okay. Um, and if you, sometimes I put a little bit of coconut, coconut shavings, oh, if I have okay. that, and it gives it a bit of a coconutty flavor. Wow. Um, otherwise, you know, just berries, yogurt and banana. I love bananas in the smoothie because it sweetens it. Right. Um, sometimes I add some honey or maple syrup, depending on how, how I'm feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never actually made a smoothie. I'll admit that right now. So oh, yeah. I, I've, so, I've had smoothies. I mean, I, I'll buy them from, uh, you know, uh, booster juice or whatever, but yeah. But making them, yeah, I, I I need a blender and some frozen fruit, I guess, to start. Blender, frozen fruits, maybe some yogurt, some milk for some protein, um, some honey to flavor it. And then that's your basics. That's your basics. And then if you want to top it off with some stuff, you can always do that with, with other things. But basics would be, yeah, just some liquid, some, uh, some fruits and some sweetener. <laughs> Excellent. I have a recipe. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, <laughs> Well, what can I say? So much valuable information tonight. And, and thank you so much for your time. I, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, tell, tell, you, tell a bit about your business. And how can people contact you if, if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have my private practice. I am based in Richmond Hill. It is a virtual practice at the moment, but I used to, before COVID, rent an office uh, from a physiotherapist in Richmond Hill. Right now it's all gone virtual. And I think it's more practical because I can uh, see athletes all over Ontario. Um, And so basically what I do in my practice is I can support athletes one-on-one. Obviously with younger athletes, teen athletes, I always encourage parents to be present in the sessions. Um, And then I also hold uh, workshops for coaches. I hold workshops for teams um, that are nutrition related um and so you can find me at my on my website you can reach me on my website so www.melissakazan.com um i also can be reached through email so my email is healthyme at melissakazan.com uh or i have an instagram account on social media i haven't been very present on there these days but um if you do want to reach out to me through social media you can and my account is uh, mk sport nutrition that's on Instagram. That's perfect. And, and we'll have those uh, links and uh, uh, information on our, web, well, our website or our show notes. Uh, Melissa, thank you. Thank you very much, Glenn. It was really a pleasure talking to you this evening. So that was my interview with Melissa. If you're a supporter of this podcast, I encourage you to follow our Twitter account, which is the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. One more time, the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. I'll also have that Twitter handle listed in today's show notes. 
This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com. To follow the podcast for free, visit our website, coachingkidscurling.com. You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The intro and outro music is Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good curling.